Good morning. It is so great to see you. Let's all stand up and we can worship together. Let's sing a song this morning. I want to sing a song for you, Lord. Lord, for you, I want to sing a song.
someone near you that you're not, not sure you know who they are, and children will invite you to come forward to join us for a few moments of uh, sharing. you about my favorite thing that I got to do when I was in school really like 4k and 5k one of my favorite things was show and tell you ever do show and tell I've brought something this morning to show you they usually bring things for show and tell that you're really proud of and things that um that you love and you just want to share them with others I've brought for you Eli Ta-da! this is my Eli He's not always good, but he's always got cute dimples. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with you. No, but show and tell was really my favorite thing and I, because I like to take the things that I loved and show them to other people and tell them all about them and tell them why I loved them and why they were special to me. And you know what? Even as an adult, sometimes adults do kind of show and tell stuff. They don't take stuff usually to their work or 
you know, to, to their friends and stuff, but adults, they like to write things down and type things out and tell their friends all about their stuff and post it all over the place, and we just like to show and tell, you know? We like to tell people good stuff. Well, in the Bible, there was a story about some men who really were excited about showing and telling, but they were showing and telling the greatest stuff. They were showing and telling others about Jesus. Now, we don't have to normally or to take people pictures of Jesus. We don't even have to type about him or post it anywhere. We can tell people about Jesus just with our mouths. We can go to our friends and say, you know what? I've got this greatest friend. He is my best friend in the whole world, and he lives in my heart. You know what? They may ask you, in your heart? How does he live in your heart? And then you can tell him all about Jesus and how even though you can't see him, you can feel him and how you love him and how you want your friends to love him too so they can have that wonderful feeling inside their hearts. So we need to remember that even though we can't see Jesus, and, but we can feel him and we can share him with others. That's the most important thing is to tell everybody that we know about this Jesus. Let's close our eyes and pray. Repeat after me. Dear Lord. Thank you so much to, for the chance to tell others about Jesus. Help us to be brave and tell our friends. Amen. Good to see everybody today. Glad that you're here for this time of worship. If you have come with some prayer concerns on your heart, we're here to join you in those prayer concerns. And so we would ask you to uh, fill out a prayer card that, with something you don't mind me repeating. And uh, we'll get you a card if you raise your hand. And, um, and then when you're finished, if you hold the card back up, our ushers will collect them. Uh, but this way we, we can join you in praying for those special needs on your heart. Um, we've, we've had some folks who uh, have been in and out of hospitals here lately. Um, Judy Harris had her throwing arm worked on recently. Uh, or her, maybe it's her right hook arm. I'm not sure which it is. But anyway, rotator cuff and all that. She should be ready for the next season panther football but anyway Judy we're glad you're here today I got a phone call message on my answer machine uh, left late 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 last night saying that uh, Logan Howell had had some uh, emergency surgery uh, on his back and is in intensive care uh, apparently some issue with uh, you know his continuing issue with spinal bifida um, so we ask your prayers for him um, also Let's see what our other announcements are for today. Uh, children are reminded to join us tonight for Sunday night program, choir, mission kids, Bible study from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Remember that we're switching things around this semester. Elementary kids will meet for choir in the social hall first, and preschoolers will meet, uh, start out in the classroom with Katie. Uh, we will be working on some special projects for the Samaritan Purse Heart Project Spaghetti Fundraising Dinner. Uh, also, please remember that we will not meet next week, January 22nd, but hope that you'll join us at 6 p.m. Uh, that night for the Samaritan's Purse Heart Project Spaghetti Dinner Fundraiser that you'll hear more about in a few minutes. The Mission Kids have worked hard to show their support of this special progress project. Excuse me. Um, Tonight, the Bible studies uh, that have already been started are getting joined by a new one um, that Scott Culberson is um, leading on how to study the Bible. And they'll be upstairs in a classroom uh, across from Katie's office uh, tonight, uh, 5.30 to 7. And um, how to study the Bible. So hopefully you will, will take advantage of that. <clears throat> uh, Leanna, do you have a presentation for us today of CDS. Oh, you're coming too. Okay, that's good too. Good morning. I would just like to remind everybody about the Children's Heart Project fundraiser next Sunday. 
I'll have tickets before and after each service this week and next week. And then I have a short video to share with y'all about the project. Thank you. beautiful and yet very challenging. Boynum Shalom is a nomadic herdsman and faces the challenges of living here every day. Recently, his hardest challenge has been his youngest son's health. Bilgun has a life-threatening heart defect. I don't know exactly what's wrong in Bilgun's heart, but the doctor has told us his heart defect is a very difficult case to fix in Mongolia. If he doesn't have surgery, I understand he will die. Bilgun is dying. He has only a short window of time, and the hospitals here in Mongolia do not offer a safe pediatric heart surgery. However, hope is rising. Samaritan's Purse has established the Children's Heart Project for children who would die without surgical help. The Children's Heart Project is a project within Samaritan's Purse that brings children from underdeveloped countries that are in desperate need of cardiac care. A Samaritan's Purse team delivers the good news that Bilgun's condition is repairable and that he will receive his life-saving heart surgery at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Samaritan's Purse arranges a local church and Christian family to host Bilgun and his mother during their six-week stay. The Fishers surround their new friends with a stable home and have opportunities to share God's love and peace through Jesus Christ during their trying time. To give Bill Goon the very best care, the Mayo Clinic assembles a team of doctors, nurses, and surgeons. Bilgun has a cyanotic heart defect called Tetralogy of Fallot. Bilgun's oxygen saturation is only 50% of normal, and that's why his lips, toes, and fingers are blue. Surgery day begins early. It is an intense time of waiting. Pray the doctor would have great wisdom and skill. A final prayer is offered by the host church. The day of surgery is definitely the hardest time for Bilgen. He will have four to six hours of surgery to repair his heart. There certainly is risk anytime you perform open heart surgery. The child has to be placed on the heart-lung bypass machine or cardiopulmonary bypass and the heart is stopped. There's a danger of heart rhythm problems after surgery and a small risk of death from any type of open heart surgery. The surgery is successful. Thank you so much for everything you did for us and for saving my child's life through God's love. Since his surgery, he has gained weight and has become much more active. He is very different. There are countless children around the world like Bilgun who face an early death unless something is done. Help Samaritan's Purse cover the high cost of transportation and logistics as we touch the lives of children through life-saving heart surgeries and by sharing the love of Christ to each family. It's my hope and my prayer, my desire, that we will be able to share the truth of the gospel with every family. And uh, we've seen over the years, many come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and go back to their countries as born again men and women of faith. Contact Samaritan's Purse today. We're grateful to Leanna for bringing this to our attention that we can cooperate with uh, her and the Samaritan's Purse to help some, uh, some babies, some children, which without, who without our help would, uh, would not have much of a chance in this life. So we, uh, we thank you. We have other prayer cards to collect this time. If you'd hold them up, uh, we'll get them from you. And as they do, I will answer the question that every one of you I know really is secretly wanting to ask me today. 
No, I wasn't at the Waffle House when the lady drove her car in through the window. I had just left. But the chair that I often sit in at the counter is now leaning at a 45 degree angle. And there's a new source of fresh air in that place that it needed very badly. <laughs> uh, let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we are thankful for this time to be together as your family. And we're thankful for the joy in our hearts as we think about your great love for us and as you call us to be partners of yours in ministry to people in this world. And we are truly thankful for that. And these are our special prayers for today. We continue to pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We give you thanks for Judy's continued health improvement. We pray for comfort for Martha Gibson and comfort for Michael Haas. We give you thanks for baby Jude's uh, successful surgery. We pray for the family of Milton Arledge and for Molly Spurgeon, a first grade teacher who's undergoing chemotherapy in these days. Lord, these are our special prayers for today. As we pray the prayer, our Lord has taught us to pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson today comes from um, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. <clears throat> the next day John, meaning John the baptizer, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and, he spent, and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who, followed, who had followed Jesus. Click. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth, uh, Nathanael Ask, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here ends the lesson. It's always fun when you have uh, out of country visitors like friends from England come to see you. 
You know, we and the British almost speak the same language, but not quite. One time when my friend Reverend John Rowland was with us, someone said something to him that we Southerners say all the time to each other, come see us, y'all. Reverend Rowland said, all right, when? He didn't realize that when you and I say come see us, we really mean goodbye, don't come see me, please. It is interesting that Jesus invited his first followers to come and follow him by saying, y'all come see, come see me. Maybe Jesus was from South Nazareth, I don't know. But anyway, uh, the Gospel of John has a slightly different twist on the story of the first disciples coming to Jesus, a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. According to the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Jesus found Peter and Andrew the son, and the sons of John, uh, the, rather the sons of Zebedee, James and John, I'll get it together in a minute, uh, down by the lake fishing. Uh, he invited the Johnson boys and the sons of Zebedee to come and join him to leave their nets, according to the synoptic tradition. But according to John, it was John the baptizer who introduced the first disciples of Jesus uh, to him. Pointing Jesus out one day when Jesus walked by, John said, here he is, that's the Lamb of God. Those two earliest disciples of Jesus left from following John and at that point began following Jesus. Keeping a little distance between them and Jesus as they walked down the road. Finally, Jesus became aware of the fact that he was being followed, which is a bit of an eerie feeling, I would think. And he stopped and turned to these two and said, what do you all want? Well, having been found out, one of them replied, uh, teacher, we wanted to see where you were staying. And that's when Jesus replied in his perfect southern slang, y'all come see. And they ended up spending the day uh, with Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that one of those two men was Andrew and the other is unnamed, but it just had to be John, the son of Zebedee. Throughout this gospel of John, the writer seems to downplay the role of John and James in the work of Jesus, sort of like you would expect of someone who was uh, telling the story. And um, sometimes he even says of John, that's the disciple that Jesus loved. Later on, the writer tells us that, that he is John. So anyway, he's kept a kind of a low profile, but he's there. We're told that the first thing that Andrew did after he left Jesus's place was to go find his brother, uh, Simon. And since they were all fishing partners together, it's, it's uh, understandable and likely that John went to find his brother, James, at that same time. Andrew's message to Simon was very simple. We found him. We found the Christ. The next day, Andrew and Simon Peter, along with James and John, left that area near the Jordan with Jesus and headed toward Jesus' home turf of Galilee. Together, they came upon an acquaintance of theirs named Philip. We're told that Philip was from the same area, the same town uh, as those four guys. Um, and so perhaps it was that connection to one another that uh, caused the disciples to stop and invite Philip to come and be a disciple also, which he eventually did. But first he went to find his close friend Nathaniel to invite him to also tag along with the group. His message was the same as the one Andrew had said had given to Simon. We found the Christ. Well, actually Philip was a little bit of a better talker than Andrew. And so what he told his brother was, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathaniel reacted to the good news the same way a gamecock would respond to the news that someone worthy of great notice happened to be coming from Clemson. Can anything good come out of that place? And the feeling is mutual, I know. Philip wisely gave him the same answer that uh, uh, 
had been given earlier by the disciples, just, just come and see. One of the things I noticed this time in reading this story is that it involved six disciples and not four. There was Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel, but James and John also were a part of this story. They were there and then there were six. We learned that they were from the same area and so they probably knew each other before they became followers of Jesus. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that they quickly became such a close-knit group. You know, in our day and time, whenever we start a new church somewhere, don't we gather people together from the same community, people that might already know each other and already have some ties, and, and they sort of form the core of the new church or the new Sunday school class as we start? It seems that Jesus used that very common tactic. It's also very interesting to see how Jesus assembled his team. He found two guys, John and Andrew, who had some spiritual interest more than most people, as shown by the fact that they had been followers of John the Baptist. Then Jesus let them invite somebody to come join the group. They first went after their own kinfolk, their brothers, and then they came upon Philip and invited him and allowed him to invite a best friend of his who was like a brother, Nathaniel. This method of using our human network has always been the main way that a church has been established and grown. Whenever the good news would spread to a new community, smaller groups were assembled where they could be led by an apostle at first and then later on by someone from that area, a pastor. It is true that Jesus later assembled large audiences to hear him teach, and later the church, especially in the last century, used mass revivals, rallies, radio, TV, and publications to help us spread the faith. But still the most effective way we have of growing churches is by word of mouth where one person invites one more person to come and join us in our journey. Now there are several lessons that we can learn from this story. The first lesson is that we disciples share with Jesus the responsibility of building his church. It's everybody's job to use our networks made up of friends, neighbors, work associates, family members, to invite people to come along on our journey with us. It isn't just the preacher's job to visit newcomers and invite them to church. Andrew and Philip didn't go to everyone that they knew or even go up to strangers on the street. They only went to people that they were very close to to invite them to come on the journey. Statistics bear out this fact that people do not join a church because of the preacher, or the music, or even the location. They join because they know somebody that already goes to that church. And they get invited by that somebody they already know. And that's why they feel comfortable. They're not alone. The second lesson we can learn from this is that sharing our faith with others isn't really meant to be an ordeal or a commandment or something we feel being forced upon us. Look at Andrew and Philip. Now that's an inviting little face right there. Now don't you know if you saw that little face up here in my arms today and, I, and, and this little fellow could say, come to the nursery and take care of me. Y'all would all be out that door so quick, you know. The joyful invitation. Um, Like Philip and Andrew, after they met Jesus, they were excited too. And they rushed out with joy to find Simon, Peter, and Nathaniel. When you and I see a good movie or discover a, a good new restaurant, don't we post that up on our Facebook account right away? We got to tell somebody about that movie or that great place to go eat. Nobody pays us to do that. Nobody twists our arm. We want to share the good news. I remember years ago hearing some young Christian give his testimony and he said to the teenagers he was talking to that night, I know y'all are looking for excitement, 
But I can't imagine a more exciting, more fun, happier way to live than the way I'm living now following Jesus. And there was something about the way he said it that was so real and so inviting to other teenagers. You see, it wasn't a have to for that young man. It was a privilege. I don't have to follow Jesus. I get to. Wow, that's fantastic. I think if you and I approached sharing faith with that same spirit, not because it's a have to, but because we're excited about the fact that this faith that we've encountered, this living Christ that we know, has made such a difference in our lives, we want others to experience what we've experienced. Thirdly, their message was very simple and very positive. They didn't really try that hard to defend what they believed. None of them threatened their friends with eternal punishment if they didn't come along and follow. No, they just wanted their close friends to come and meet this man named Jesus. When Nathaniel implied that no one from Nazareth could be worth a hoot, Philip didn't try to argue with him. He said, well, why don't you come see for yourself? Check it out. If you and I will use our social network and just invite folks to a Sunday school class or to a youth gathering or to a children's program and give folks that exciting, positive message that there's friendship to be found here and opportunities for growth and learning, if we'll just say, well, why don't you come see for yourself and leave it at that, we might be surprised who tags along with us. There's something really interesting and exciting happening these days in, uh, with Andy's youth group here at the church. Every time I come on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, I look at these kids and I think, who are they? I don't know these people. Their parents don't come here, and yet there's about 25 of them. But they know each other. And our youth members and Andy have used that friendship network to build this group from a group of kids that weren't attending a church anywhere. And every Sunday and Wednesday night, it's an exciting thing to see. If our youth can do this, we adults can too. Finally, there's something about Jesus that just made people feel welcome in his presence. I want you to notice carefully what Jesus did to help build uh, closeness in his group among the disciples. He used humor. Specifically, he gave them nicknames. That's a very playful thing for the Son of God to do if you think about it. To build intimacy within his group by giving everybody a nickname. They weren't mean nicknames, like a boy might call someone else on the playground at a time of meanness. It was playful, endearing nicknames that they gave each other that made the person feel loved and built a sense of camaraderie in the group. In the Old Testament, when everybody encountered, whenever anybody encountered God, God gave them a new name. Abram and Sarah were nicknamed Abraham and Sarah, meaning you're going to have a kid. It was a nickname. On one level, Jesus was following the same pattern used by Almighty God, his Father. But with Jesus, there was such a touch of humor in the nicknames that he gave. The, the young people went skiing yesterday. Some of them aren't walking real good today. But uh, I, I remember when I was doing youth work, and we went on a ski trip one time, and there was one young man who was an outsider. We never could quite get him into our youth group. And uh, we tried. Well, the first time he came down the ski slope that day, he took everybody out. I mean, he, you could just see him coming. People were falling left and right all down as he plowed on through. And he didn't know how to ski, but he didn't know how to stop either. And he just flew down that mountain. And when he got to the bottom and finally the other kids came down, you know, all covered in snow, one of them said, you know, we need to go down to that truck we saw in the parking lot and take that sign off the back of it and hang it on him and call him Wide Load and say, watch out, Wide Load is coming. You know, the rest of the time I was at that church, Wide Load was his nickname. And he, he embraced it as a loving gift from those kids, and he became an integral part of that youth group. Somebody gave him a nickname, and it meant everything. Everybody who knew Simon Peter knew that he wasn't anybody that you could really depend on. He was too wishy-washy. He flip-flopped more than our politicians. So Jesus gave him the nickname Rock. Don't you know that everybody laughed when they heard Jesus say that? But nicknames 
Help us understand that Jesus loves us anyway and that with Jesus we can become that good nickname or it can help us in some way. In time, it was forgotten that this nickname was given to Simon facetiously and before long he was a rock that the church built their fellowship around. Jesus called Nathaniel a true Israelite one without any phony characteristics, and yet Nathaniel had shown in his reply to Philip just how shallow a person he really was and how prejudiced he was. Nazareth, nothing good can come out of that place. That wasn't the attitude of a true and mature Israelite, to say the least. And his nickname as true Israelite was a reminder of this, but also a reminder of what he could be. The two unnamed disciples in the story, James and John, Jesus nicknamed them Th sons of thunder because they had a pretty bad temper. And yet one of those guys went to write an awful lot about love in his epistles before the end of his life. He got, a, got control of his thunder before life was over. Playfully, Jesus used nicknames to call people to more maturity. So what is your nickname today? What might Jesus nickname you to make you feel loved and challenged at the same time? How might he use nicknames among us to create closeness? And is Jesus the Messiah, really, the Son of God? Won't y'all come see? And when you come see, why don't you bring somebody with you? Amen. I invite you to stand as we affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Thank you. Be seated, please, and let us worship God by giving. Since Arthur did share that we went skiing Friday night and, and Saturday, actually, I think that you should know that Allie Haney and Hannah Bailey learned to ski Friday night with gusts up to 60 miles per hour, a wind chill of negative 9 and never once whined, and they did great, and were skiing yesterday without falling, so I'm very proud, um, and I'm very also proud to see Clay here this morning. We didn't get in until late, late last night, and they are here this morning, so I'm, I'm glad to see you all. Hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions, eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are. How great your affections are for me Oh, how he loves us so Oh, how he loves us How he loves us so When all of a sudden 
So we are his portion and he is our prize Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking Oh, Lord, 
may you go forth in peace with the joy of God's love so filling your heart that your life will be a sign that says go see, come follow us, come see for yourself Jesus is Lord Amen week.